This clip's really important. It's a reminder to those who are struggling with their identity, struggling with finding self-worth. Let this just be God speaking into you a cool word of love. That's it. And then the worship team will lead us in some Christmas songs. But this short two-minute clip, do you know how much you're worth? Lights out, please. There's a lot of you out there today who are dealing with issues of self-worth. You don't feel very good about yourself simply because of the things you've been through, things that you've done, and the things that have been done to you. Well, what if I offered you this $20 bill? Would you take it? Chances are you would, but before I give it to you, I got an offer a warning. Because while this $20 bill could be used for a lot of good, chances are it's seen a lot of bad. If this $20 bill could think and had a mind, it might have a bad conscience. Maybe it's been used to do drugs. Maybe it's been used to buy drugs. Maybe a drug deal went bad and somebody died over this. In fact, maybe it was used to fund a terrorist organization. Perhaps it's been used for impure things like the purchase of a prostitute. Any number of things could have been done with this $20 bill. Do you still want it? Of course you do, because no matter what's been done to it or with it, it's still worth 20 bucks. Maybe I can take it today and rip it and scar it put marks on it that are just simply unfair and unsightly. Still want it? Of course you do. Because an authority higher than us gave it its value and nothing can take it away. Same with you. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done, you still have worth. It's built into you and you need to remember that. There are things that I wish I could go back in time and redo, undo, and just never do at all. But I can't. And even though I'm reminded every day by many folks and even by my own conscience and heart that I did them, I still have to remind myself that something with greater authority than me and even bigger than my own actions, gave me a self-worth. I'm going to live by that. I'm going to choose to remind myself of that every day. And I hope you'll do the exact same thing. Want this $20? No, it's mine. Because it's worth $20. And it's mine. Love y'all. God bless. Today, dishonor, humiliation, and love. These are the underlying themes that are going on in today's story. And these are the things that tend to wreck us in our world. When we are dishonored or we dishonor someone else, when somebody humiliates us, and how that puts us into a very deep downward spiral of questioning our self-worth, hence the video clip at the beginning. We are people who have been made whole that are living in a world that's not fully whole still contaminated with sin. And sin just means missing the mark. It's imperfect. But a new time is coming where it will keep getting better and better. And I I believe that is a a great hope. So in today's story, I want to... Oops, we're going to save that for just a moment. We're going to take a look at Mary and Joseph and how their two stories... We're going to talk about her and then talk about him and how their struggles became reality and how they worked through their difficulties of dealing with these these issues and how the end result ended up being love. So it's pretty cool. So let's hit the lights and watch this uh, next video clip. Sweetie, are you listening? Mary, I've said it once, so I'll say it again. I can do two things. Two things at once. Yes, I know. Uh, but we really need to talk. And Joseph, yeah, I need you to listen. I am listening so hard right now. I, you can't even imagine how much I'm, I'm concentrating on, on you and words. I'm overwhelmed by your concentration. Can you, can you just stop for a second, please? Mary, I would love to stop for a second, but I can't. Why not? We're going to be married soon, and I just, I just want everything to be perfect. 
Joseph, I love your heart. I really do. But, you know, not everything has to be perfect. And that's okay because we don't know what life is going to throw at us, you know? Right. But I, I still want a house worthy of you. And, and to do that, I, I, I've got to work because a man's... Man has got, got to have a plan. Have I mentioned that before? A time or two. And Mary, I have so many plans for us. This table, this is where we're going to have our meals together. And, and, and I've made it big enough for, for to seat some little ones. For down the road, of course. About that. Where did I put that chisel? Joseph, I need to tell you something. Something... Something unbelievable. Did I put it in that shelf? I was visited by... By an angel. Yeah? told me that I was highly favored. Mm-hmm. And it all felt, it felt like a dream until he, he told me something. And the instant he said it, I knew that it was true. I just used it. I, I just had it. Joseph, are you listening to me? Yeah, that, that sounds really great. Joseph. Got it. I'm pregnant. If we don't connect to the emotions of these stories, they're just boring stories that we repeat all the time. I refuse to allow these kinds of stories to just be bland and just repeated according to ritual and tradition. I'm tired of it. One famous person said, tradition is the living faith of the dead. Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. Think about it. Tradition is the living faith of the dead. Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. If things cease to have purpose and meaning, stop them until the meaning can be found again and allow it to be rebirthed. That's why I don't mind seeing things stop, programs stopped, and uh, oops, that one didn't work. That's fine. Remember, it's not your church. It's not my church. It's God's. We've got two people in this story that are dealing with exact opposite emotions. (laughs) typical guy says he's listening not quite listening she's trying to tell him something yeah 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 none of us have ever done that I I don't ever no no in that split second what was Joseph feeling don't answer that out loud it's a rhetorical question what was he feeling How fast can a person's mind go? For some guys, they can go Mach 90, no problem, like, and get to the 10 years down the road in milliseconds. What was she feeling? Trying to conjure up the courage to tell Joseph this thing that's happened to her because nobody's going to believe it. Nobody. There's another story that Jesus talked about. You know it as the prodigal son story. 
the stories of a son who left his family, went and squandered all of his wealth, but he came to his senses finally. When he came back, he decided to plan this speech of how he's going to tell his dad how sorry he was. Basically, with good intention, manipulate his way back into the family, if he could, at least to get some food. By saying a certain things, because he practiced it, rehearsed it, it was all done. Gets to his father's house, his dad sees him coming. Dad runs out, hikes up his, 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 uh, his robe, which you don't do in those days. He hiked up his robe and ran hugged and kissed his son. The son, all he knew was his plan, so he followed through the plan. Uh, father, father, I've sinned. And the dad says, just stopped and hugged him and said, come, let's eat, let's celebrate. My son is home. He didn't care about the speech. His son was loved long before he came home. The value, the worth was there before he even left and before he came back home. The father was looking for him. That's powerful. The story is not about forgiveness. The story is about the father's love. And it was given to both sons. It's funny, the one who rejected it was the pious son who stayed home. We didn't know the ending of the story. Probably intentional. Emotions in that story. Let's take a look at Elizabeth. Uh, sorry, in uh, um, the story of uh, Mary and what she does. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman! The Lord is with you! Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Can you imagine? Angel shows up. You're favored. <laughs> the Lord's with you. What? Like, really? First of all, freaked out by the size of this angel. Freaked out by a vision without sleeping. Like, that's pretty scary. Highly favored. You will conceive and give birth to a son. That part's fine. You will name him Jesus. He'll be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give, you him, will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Pause. His kingdom will never end. This is huge, folks. The coming Christ, when he arrives... His kingdom will never end. Where else in the Old Testament do you see a prophecy of the coming king like that? We just talked about it a couple weeks ago. Who? That was part, but there's an even better prophecy that Daniel did to Nebuchadnezzar. Do you remember the story? Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, can't remember it. Uh, in fact, uh, asks his wise men, uh, tell me the meaning of my dream. Well, that's great. Sure, tell us the dream. I don't know the dream. You tell me what it is too. And if you don't, I'll kill you. Okay? A lot of drama in that story. So Daniel comes along, tells him the dream. He said, King, what you saw in your dream was this big statue made of different parts. The bronze head is you, O Nebuchadnezzar. But after you will come another nation, and that's the silver, and then the bronze, and the iron, and then the feet uh, with uh, clay and iron together. But, O king, a rock cut out from a, me- a mountain, 
a rock not cut with human hands, comes and smashes the feet and the whole um, statue falls over and is destroyed and the rock grows and becomes a mountain and covers the whole earth. Okay, that's hundreds of years before Jesus. But when that rock, which pictures humanity, physical, and cut, not with human hands, spiritual, arrives, and it arrives in a manger, right at a time when Rome was also split with ten territories, and there was a lot of factions going on. It was real upheaval going on. These were unblended times, because iron and clay don't blend very well. This was the time, the arrival of the rock for a kingdom that will never end. That should be a clue to our future and hope. Anyway, let's keep going. Rabbit trail. Oops. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born, the baby that will be born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. Just a minute now. Ever see, you know, these bumper stickers, you know, uh, my child is a college graduate, and, or my college is, my student is, my, my kid's a doctor, my kid's this, well, paste on the back of their donkeys are all these stickers, and here comes Mary, my child, my kid's the son of God. <laughs> anyway, never mind. <sighs> Forget it. What's more, and this is cool, I, I wondered about this part, now I know why he did this. The angel said, what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. Okay, first of all, vision. This huge angel shows up, scaring the daylights out of her, and then telling her stuff that just, how are you ever going to explain this to anybody? And then he does something different that I didn't catch until recently. He told her about Elizabeth. Why is that important? Because Elizabeth is in another place. Mary couldn't have known, or the angel would have told her, or wouldn't have told her. But the angel told Mary about Elizabeth to give confirmation of knowledge she couldn't have had unless God told her. Told her even six months pregnant. So when she gets there, I hear you six months pregnant. What? Yeah, how'd you pull that off? Look how old you are. You know, like, it's a thought. Just a thought that could have happened. Just kidding. Wouldn't have happened. But the irony of the whole story is this. The angel was speaking in love giving confirmation via Elizabeth, because who else is going to listen? Somebody else who had a miracle happen. They get to share their stories and walk in encouragement instead of being alone. Remember, you and I have been created for relationships, to not be alone. That doesn't mean you need a hundred friends. Some people do well with just one or two, but they're not alone. It's one or two. Some have 10 or 15, so on. But God created us for connection. Because that is how God is connected. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, connected in perfect love. And we've been included in that love, in the Holy Trinity. That's our purpose, to be loved. 
That's it. So he created an opportunity for Mary to know someone else also going through some very surprising things that are hard to explain. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. As soon as she heard about this revelation from the angel, the next thing she did was take off and visit Elizabeth. That's pretty cool. The next time Mary's mentioned at all in this story is when they're on the way to Bethlehem. That's it. In this, in this book. Then we come to Joseph. The book of Matthew shares the male perspective of Joseph's discovery. Oops, we're there. Yep. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you this. Joseph did have a response as soon as he found out. We have no idea how he was told or anything because the Bible doesn't tell us that. This is just a drama video to give you a picture of what it could have happened. But he responded with deep, intense emotions. He had motives. Okay, now what? Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Well, here's the rest of the story. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man. You have to remember this. He was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill what the Lord's message through the prophet said. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. He did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. This is a very unique, interesting situation. And here in the West, we may not get it, so I'm going to give you a quick update on some facts about Jewish weddings that I think are helpful to understand how did this all work. You know, Well, for one, they were, he was betrothed. That's the word used in two places, Matthew and in Luke. The Jewish custom is this, for, for getting married. They have what's called the kedushin, betrothal. It's a, it's a, their marriages are two stages. The second part is called the hupa, you know, um, which literally stands for, not woohoo, it's hupa. Okay? Hupa is, is actually a canopy that is typically used under which they get married. They don't always have to have it, but traditionally you have it. But that's the actual ceremony. So there's a two-stage process here. They begin with the engagement, so to speak, but they technically start being married at that point. I'll get to the more details in just a moment. But the hoopah part is the, the full deal, and then the consummation happens after that. Hoopah. Jewish marriages customarily arranged, don't always think with the outside voice, Jewish marriages customarily arranged by the families of the bride and groom. These are done in advance. Sometimes couples aren't even told that they're going to be married to somebody. The parents do all the arranging. In our Western culture, we don't get that. There's a different sense, though. In, in that culture, they say, I, I, I'm going to love you, and we're married. You know, another, another person will say, well, I, I love you because I'm married to you. And another person says, I, I, I'm married to you because I love you. 
Like there's different emotional responses to this and different ways to see it. But there's something else that's called a Mopar. No, it's not the race and the car show that's around here. Just making sure you guys know that. But the Mopar is called the, the bride price. It's a payment that seals the betrothal. It's something that happens on the front end, and it's something the groom pays the bride's family. And one writer writes this, The Mopar served to compensate the father for wedding expenses and to provide a type of insurance for the bride in the event of the groom became dissatisfied and divorced her. The contract was considered binding as soon as it was made, and the man and woman were considered legally married, even though the marriage ceremony, hoopah, and the consummation often did not occur till well, much after a year. Okay? I'd like to be married for a year. And, yeah, anyway. According to Jewish custom, Joseph, Joseph would have paid this, this uh, it's not a dowry, it's like a dowry, but it's, it's a, they, they have their Mopar, and that's what he had to do. So immediately, beginning of their marriage started. It just happened right then. As soon as the payment was made, they were officially married. That's why you have this idea of them traveling together, and I'll explain what I think happened in that as well. By the way, this period of betrothal, this ahead of time, basically was viewed as a time of testing. That would just be terrible in our day. But this is how they did it. Listen carefully. (laughs) A time of testing for fidelity and prohibition of any normal sexual activity reserved for when the hoopah would arrive, bringing with it a family wedding ceremony and then followed by the consummation. So this was two families being involved with each other. Honor and respect being practiced for a full year. In a way our culture doesn't get at all and can't understand, but if you think it through, there's deep, deep value. Something we can learn from as a culture. Mary became pregnant during this betrothal time. Awkward. (laughs) It it was a cultural no-no. You don't do that. Because if you do, guess what happens? You shame not only yourselves, but your families. And the guy just paid a ton of money. How can you explain that? This is, this is really, really hard. Both Luke and Matthew state that Mary's pregnancy was not from being bad, but rather a divine gift. It was a God thing. The Holy Spirit made her pregnant. Try explaining that to your mother and father. Not possible. Like, I'm sure we all know teens that have gotten pregnant early and, Mom, I didn't do anything. <laughs> really? We all know. Which is why Joseph needed divine revelation that it really was the Holy Spirit. We have proof and evidence that he was making plans to say bye-bye. And he wanted to do it in a well way. The theological truth is that Mary by herself couldn't produce a son. By herself, she couldn't do it. It was impossible. Only God could give her that. And the child that was going to be born, his name was Jesus. God saves. That's what it means. In essence, the gospel, this good news of Jesus, is also something we can't produce ourselves. It's only something we can receive. You receive it by believing it. At this point, Joseph was not thinking theologically. He was thinking humanly. Okay, A plus B always equals C. 
there's no other way to explain this. And he knew he was not the father. He really did know. That's funny. Okay. Just for some of you who are a little bit slow. He knew he wasn't the father. But he began to weigh his options. And as he's weighing his options, oh my goodness, the angel says, uh uh-uh. No way. God did this. And you're part of the plan. You're of the house of David. And as a married couple going to Bethlehem, which was about to happen, okay, he didn't know about the Bethlehem thing yet because the decree hadn't gone out yet. See, there's a problem here. He had every right to do some harsh things to Mary. He had every right, according to Jewish law, to shame her publicly. And get this, this is brutal. He had the Jewish right to have her stoned. Yes. That is a harsh culture. But it says he was a good man and he loved her. He was a kind man. Joseph wanted to treat his wife, Mary, with compassionate justice. Do it quietly. He didn't have any of the answer. He just, that was the only way to go. Either she messed around on him or somebody violated her. She was too ashamed to talk about it. The only options he could think about. Like, which, which, which one's worse? Dishonor. Humiliation. But in the end, love. Love wins. Somebody wrote about that. <laughs> this was all to fulfill a prophecy from the book of Isaiah. It says in Isaiah 7.14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Here's the sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God who is with us. I used to believe God was always absent as I was, when I was a kid. Whenever I was bad, God was gone away because he can't handle stand. Ooh, he's got sin cooties and can't handle you know, bad stuff. So only when we were good would he come close. So it was all up to me to stay holy, clean. And every time I messed up, God would run away. Oh my goodness. What a lie. God with us, Emmanuel, means he is here. He will never leave us or forsake us. Even when we walk through dark valleys, through tough circumstances in our lives, he is there with us, walking through it. You're not alone. Even when you're enjoying the mountaintop of your life, whoa, life's great, whoa, yeah. He's there too, enjoying it with you. Laughs with you when you laugh and weeps with you when you weep. He understands because he was fully human. That's important. His last words eventually would say this. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Aeon. He promised to never leave. That's powerful. Let's switch to the innkeeper for a moment. Can we have the lights off and video ready?
all booked up, sorry. We don't need much. What part of I'm all booked up did you not understand? I have no room for you in my inn. Please. We've been walking for days. Do you think you are the first person to pound on my door at this hour of the night looking for a room? There has to be something. A, a closet, perhaps. You can keep asking the same question. I'm going to give you the same answer. Why? What are you doing up? You need to rest now. We won't be any trouble. And I'll pay you whatever you want. Please. I'm I'm sorry. No vacancies. Hey. Give me a minute. Shortly after this, the fifth candle gets lit. The Christ arrives. This is the good news. This is the advent of Christmas. The celebration of this prophecy that had been foretold for hundreds of years before finally becomes reality. Have you ever tried to book a room online? The pictures are so nice. <laughs> nice pool. Everything's great. I did that once. I got there and it was a gross pool. I thought, oh, I can't go. It was just, it was not a good experience. Yeah. At least they, they tried here. They tried to book. But something happened in this story. I want to read to you, from, and we're almost done. Luke 2, 1 to 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinus was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was from the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Those two aren't supposed to go together, betrothed and child, just reminding you. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Some quick facts. There's no mention in Scripture of an innkeeper. Not to shock anybody, but... There just isn't. Okay? I'm giving you some facts. There's no record of a conversation with an innkeeper. I'm sure they did have one, otherwise they wouldn't have found out there was no room in the inn, but whatever. But there's no story in Scripture that says that. 
And the Bible does not say the stable belonged to the innkeeper. It doesn't say that. A lot of things could have happened. He could have had that door shut and he went down and had to park his donkey somewhere and, ah, we'll have to stay in here. We don't know. I'm just saying, we've been told so many traditional stories. Question them. And Joseph couldn't get a room because he was poor, because we always heard about, you know, Jesus being poor. He was a good, he was a carpenter. He had money, he was fine. Poorness was not the issue. The fullness of the inn was the issue. There's also no record of how they arrived. Well, Mary was riding a donkey, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't say that. They showed up. And it's funny how he said, you're up. I thought, you're riding on a donkey. How can you not be up? But anyway. There is no drummer boy. I'm really sorry. And lastly, most of you know this, there were no wise men that night. That happened within two years. When the wise men showed up, they showed up at a house. Going to Bethlehem, Joseph was not going to leave Mary back in Nazareth to be ridiculed and shamed without his protection. Imagine her husband gone, staying back while he does the registering. She was better off with him. That's why she went along, probably. Good guess. Especially since she was in the advanced stages of pregnancy, obviously, with the birth happening. It was a 90-mile trek from Nazareth to Bethlehem. The beauty of Advent. Back to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. We'll close with this. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. For a child is born to us. A son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Remember that song? Anyway, Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. And I think the host of heaven's army showed up and sang to the shepherds that night. They were so overjoyed. They did their jig, their joy jig. However they did it. But I'll tell you, everybody gets a chance. The innkeeper probably had his door knocked on. All of us get our heart's doors knocked on. What's your response going to be? Everybody gets access to good news. Everybody gets access to good news. I invite you to believe it someday. I invite you just to believe the simplicity. Not the religious jargon you may have been sold in this culture but the real authentic Jesus. And deep down you may already believe. Don't let religion prevent you from experiencing real life. You've been given the gift of this moment. The gift of Christmas to be reminded of who you are and who your Savior is. It's all good news. Be encouraged today. I hope you come tonight to catch all of this wrapped up into one shorter version. <laughs> Let's pray.